What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Fresh Take Podcast. We're here to talk about the results from UFC Fight Night 127, Verdum versus Volkov in London, England, from yesterday, from yesterday's card. It was a good card overall. Not a lot of high hopes going into it. Didn't really know how likely Volkov would be in, uh, you know, actually getting the win in this fight against Verdum. Verdum was considered the star of the card, as well as Jimmy Manoa, but neither of me really capture my imagination when it comes to uh, mixed martial arts superstars at this point in time. Verdum has been a guy that I haven't been super, super impressed with ever since his Stipe Miocic loss. And then Manoa, on the other hand, always a fun fighter to watch, but understanding his limitations and his strengths it always kind of felt like you understood that maybe he hit his ceiling and his ceiling was no better than number three or two fighter in that light heavyweight division and weren't ever really sure if he would be able to compete with the likes of an Alexander Gustafson, John Jones, and Daniel Cormier and along with that there just weren't a lot of names throughout the cards throughout the card and a lot of matchups that spoke to you in, in the sense of saying, I've got to watch that fight. Uh, the one thing I will say is this was a fight pass card, so the pacing was phenomenal. The fact that it was in London, they started the card much earlier here, local time, so I really enjoyed that, especially having my Saturday night to myself to do whatever I wanted. I do enjoy watching the fights during the day. Uh, I think that that's a nice uh, caveat to have with these type of cards. But coming out of this fight card, I must say, I was pretty high on this card. I really enjoyed it. I thought that you ended up seeing maybe a star born in Alexander Volkov. Uh, doesn't mean that he's going to have huge ratings going forward, but just a, a very noticeable name going forward, someone to watch for. He's gonna have. He has a lot of momentum after his upset win over Fabricio Verdum. You've got some guys who put on some really good performances. Leon Edwards calling out Darren Till. You had the Darren Till promo about Liverpool. Uh, that card going down in May. You had some good back and forth fights and you know, not a whole lot of decisions on this card, just three. So let's get right into it. Let's start with the main event and how that fight ended up playing out early on. <laughs> it was very apparent that Fabricio Verdum was much more dominant on the ground than Volkov. But the question, along with every other heavyweight that faces Fabricio Verdum, is what can they do to defend Fabricio Verdum? What can they do in order to make sure that they don't fall to a submission to the phenomenal grappler and Fabricio? And Volkov did a very good job of retaining his guard throughout the majority of the time that they were on the ground and Verdum was on top. Verdum was doing a great job, did a great job in that first round, really kind of distracting Volkov with that kick and then immediately going for the takedown. Volkov kind of laughed a little bit, laughed off that kick for a little bit, and he just got caught off guard because he was just enjoying that moment a little bit too much. Verdum immediately went for the takedown, got to the ground, and it was a real question, okay, is this going to turn out to be like the Walt Harris fight? It was not at all. Volkov was able to stay defensive enough, not really let Verdum land a whole lot of ground and pound. I think that that's where Verdum really suffered in this fight, is he was really um, restrained to Volkov's guard for much of the grappling exchanges. And because of that, I thought that his ground and pound would be a huge factor in whether or not he was going to be able to end up submitting Volkov at the end of this fight and it just didn't happen his ground and pound was lackluster in my opinion for a heavyweight that's that big that has that type of control <laughs> even from the guard I thought that he would be able to land better but I do believe that Volkov being such a large human being uh, being the bigger of the two I think that that also gave problems in Verdum actually landing the type of power punches that he wanted to while he was on the on the ground, but then Volkov was able to get back up with a nice sweep of his own, and when that stuff started to happen, you you thought to yourself, okay, so if Volkov can survive some of these ground exchanges the same way that Conor McGregor defended some of his ground exchanges against Chad Mendes, it only takes a little bit for him on the feet because they're both, in both matches, Conor McGregor's uh, 
striking was much better than Chad Mendez on this in this case as well. Alexander Volkov's striking, very apparent early on in the fight, was much better than Verdum's. Now neither of their opponents were slouches, uh, total slouches in that department, but it was just apparent. <laughs> That that's where they were more dominant. And when Volkov was on the feet in the first round, it was very apparent that he had the better, cleaner striking. His range was really working to his advantage, his height as well. So I, I did see some promise there. But then the second round was some more of the same with Volkov getting dragged down to the ground. Verdum actually in this fight had a few times where he would get Volkov on top of him and then he was just kind of spinning around doing stuff that not even the commentators really knew what was going on. Not even Dan Hardy knew the names to those type of sweeps and he would end up on top. But again, Volkov just staying extremely composed on the ground. He was able to get some sweeps. He was able to get up. He wasn't a, he wasn't allowing Verdum to stay on his back long enough to uh, really to really put him in harm's way. And uh, I thought that that was huge for Volkov and huge for his confidence. Each time they got back up to the feet, it was apparent that he was he was a better striker. And in that first round, it looked like maybe Volkov would be a little bit tired. In that the beginning of the second round, it looked like that as well. And that became a little bit worrisome if you are a Volkov fan. But in that third round, it started to show that Verdum seemed to be getting a little bit tired as well. They both had slowed down. They weren't really... Um, the 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 pace was never super fast, but in that round you just kind of felt that like the tides were turning a little bit, especially with how much easier it was getting for Volkov to get up from the ground progressively, from the as compared to the first round to the third round, he was having more success and being able to get up to his feet. Volkov just then ended up landing a, a little. A combination, some uppercuts that really hurt Verdum. He got him down to the ground, followed to him, swept his legs out of the way, and followed in with a right, and 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 that shut Verdum's lights out. It was a, a, a devastating uh, last punch that he threw, and then he just does the um, wipe the dust off the shoulder act after he after the stoppage was um, completed. Very impressive by Alexander Volkov. What I was very impressed by was the fact that he was able to stay so composed under the pressure of being on the ground with a guy like Fabricio Verdum. A lot of guys will uh, you know, get submitted very quickly, similar to Walt Harris, similar to even Cain Velasquez, who got caught very quickly in his fight against Verdum, and other guys such as Fedor Emelianenko as well. Volkov did a tremendous, tremendous job of defending the submissions, keeping Fabricio in his guard for as much as he could, because... Um, you know, Verdum seemed to have a lot more options as soon as he got to half guard or side control. That really just did not happen often enough for Verdum to impose his will on the ground. And Volkov obviously looked impressive on the feet, did a good job of landing some strikes. And um, I just thought overall good performance. He does have some issues that he still needs to work on, especially with his grappling, his takedown defense. A guy like Stipe Miocic, Akeem Velasquez, those type of guys, they're going to be able to take down a guy like Volkov. Maybe even an Alistair Overeem, who's a very good grappler in his own right. So he definitely needs to continue to improve on that. But the the narrative coming out of this fight is the youth, the health of the heavyweight division. For quite some time now, light heavyweight and heavyweight has looked abysmal as far as contenders coming up, young guys coming up, fresh names coming up. Forget about the youth, just fresh names coming up. You know, for the longest time, it's been Alexander Gustafson, John Jones. It's been, um, you know, Anthony Johnson and Daniel Cormier at the light heavyweight uh, ranks. For the longest time in the heavyweight division, it's been Alistair Overeem, Fabricio Verdum, Mark Hunt, Stipe Miocic, and Cain Velasquez. Now you're starting to see at least in the heavyweight division, a resurgence of some of these younger guys, of, of of guys that you haven't really heard of too much, you know, in guys like Taitu Ivasa. You've got Curtis Blades, Francis Ngannou, even though he was a little bit exposed in his in his uh, title in his title opportunity against Stipe, he still went up against the best level of of heavyweight in in the in the world, and uh, he lost, but 
He's been able to defeat guys like Alistair Overeem. I still think that he's a fresh name. He's a lot younger than these guys. And now you can add Alexander Volkov to the list, who's just 29 years old. So now you start to see the opportunity is starting to arise in the heavyweight division. And I think that one of the best things to see in these divisions is possibility, right? You look at 135, you go, man, there's a possibility. Jimmy Rivera, Marlon Marais, you know, some of these guys can be champion. Then you've got your Sean O'Malley's of the world where they're not really at that level quite yet, but these are guys to watch for long term. And then you have your elite of the division, Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz, TJ Dillashaw, the guys that have already been there and done that, right? You go to the featherweight division, there's something like that as well. You've got Max Holloway, Jose Aldo, but then you have uh, your Yair Rodriguez of the old world, even though he... Um, he lost to Frankie Edgar. Then you have your Frankie Edgar's, your Jeremy Stevens, your Duho Choi's, your um, your Chan Sung Jung's. Uh, all of these guys, right, that are coming, that are in the division, that are exciting, uh, lightweight, welterweight. Those those divisions are stacked. You really did not have that in the light heavyweight. You still don't have that in light heavyweight, and and especially in the heavyweight division as well. It just seemed like all these old guys were going to stick around forever in these two divisions. And now, at least in the heavyweight division, you're starting to smell the fresh air a little bit. It's starting to come in. And I thought that this was a great, great night for the UFC. Uh, Fabricio, on the other hand, I would say not super impressed with him. I haven't been super impressed with him since his his fight against Stipe Miocic. I thought that he had a lackluster win against Travis Brown, a win in which he should have finished Brown at some point. A lot of other people have been able to. I thought a guy with like, like Fabricio would be able to as well. He had a loss against Overeem, which I don't really blame him for. Overeem's still in the elite of that division. That's a tough fight right there. Walt Harris, even though he got a super quick submission victory, Walt Harris has not proven to anybody that he should be note, notated as a very impressive win. Marcin Tabura just lost to Derek Lewis by knockout in the third round. And uh, he he won against Tabura uh, by unanimous decision on five-round fight. Another fight in which I thought, you know, Tabura is not a, a bad heavyweight fighter, but I just thought that he would be more impressive against a guy like him. So wasn't super surprised to see him lose. It was just more than anything, just super, just uh, surprising in a good way to see Alexander Volkov defeat fighters of this level in the heavyweight division, especially considering that this is a guy who lost back-to-back fights in Bellator against Tony Johnson and Chuck Congo in two decision losses right there, and then got cut from Bellator, or let go at least. So this is a guy who now has fought... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six times since then in his UFC run. He's defeated Timothy Johnson by the, the split decision, Roy Nelson by unanimous decision, Stefan Struve by K- TKO, and then for Bradisio Verdun by KO. That's just showing a lot of progress right there for Alexander Volkov, just 29 years old from Russia. I think this guy's got a bright future ahead of him if he's able to continue to get better and better. He's shown that his jiu-jitsu game is at least good enough to be, compete with the elite of the division. It doesn't get any more elite than Fabricio Verdum, and if you're at least able to have the type of jiu-jitsu that allows you to survive in those situations, that also shows that you probably have enough jiu-jitsu skills to submit a lot of the, your opponents, even in the elite of the division as well. So you can't question his defense as far as it comes to his jiu-jitsu. And then you have to wonder, what does that mean for his offense in uh, jiu-jitsu? doesn't mean he's going to be submitting a lot of guys or have great offensive jiu-jitsu, but at least you know that that's not something you have to stress about too much if you're a supporter of Alexander Volkov. On the other hand, he's looked pretty impressive with his striking. Guys that are huge, like the 6'7", right? It kind of reminds you about Stefan Struve, who's much taller than that, but they don't seem to be the um, smoothest of strikers. Their movement can be a little bit quirky. You even talk about a guy like Travis Brown. A lot of people thought, you know, Travis Brown's got great movement. I always thought he had strange movement. I always thought it was 
a little bit unnatural, not super athletic. I didn't think it was fluid and smooth. I think Alexander Volkov, when he his movement is fluid, he's not Dominic Cruz in there, but he doesn't look like a deer that's trying to fight and that's trying to keep his uh, his um, his balance. He looks very fluid, very smooth in there as a striker, very in control of his body as well. So I think that that does a lot for him, especially when considering that he's going to be so much taller and he is going to have some reach advantages in this heavyweight division as well. So I think that that plays to his uh, strength as well. Uh, the thing that he absolutely has to get better at is his takedown defenses. And Verdum's not a slouch in that department, but he's not the elite of the division. A Curtis Blades is going to be able to take him down. A uh, Stipe Miocic, a Cain Velasquez, even possibly a guy like Alistair Overeem are going to be able to take him down. So if he can continue to get better at that, and again, he's in the heavyweight division, so... His prime may not actually be till 31, 32 years old, especially because these guys uh, grow grow a little bit better than some of these lighter weight classes do when their primes are more so in their 29, 30 years old, 30 year old range. So, um, for Volkov, a lot to like here. He's got a good look to him. He's got a great nickname to with him, Drago, and then uh, he speaks English very well. So, and they're trying to get into that Russian market. You want to get into that Russian market with that rumored, you know, Habib versus Conor McGregor fight in that Russian market. This would you could put uh, Alexander Volkov in that co-main event and have a really big uh, card over there if Habib is able to win the lightweight championship and they do decide to take that fight to Russia. So I think you got a lot of good things cooking for the UFC with this win. I think just overall, it's a good sign for the health of that heavyweight division. You're starting to see some of these newer guys, fresher faces. Like I said, it's not so much about the age sometimes. Sometimes it's just about getting fresh faces in there, fresh new contenders, fresh new talent. And you do get that in an Alexander Volkov, a Taitu Avasa, Curtis Blades, or Francis Ngannou, and even a Derek Lewis to, to that extent as well. These aren't guides of the old guard of the old guard in the UFC heavyweight division. You're starting to see some turnover, and that is very, very good news. As far as what I would like to see next for Alexander Volkov, I mean, there's a lot of fights you could do next. You could do a Kane Velasquez. You could do Curtis Blades. You could do Francis Ngannou. I don't have an issue with any of those fights right there. You could do an Alistair Overeem if you wanted to. Um, it doesn't really matter to me. For me, personally, I would prefer him fight a guy like Cain Velasquez or a guy like Alistair Overeem. I would rather you keep you know, these four names a little bit apart from each other. If you want to do Francis versus Derek Lewis or Francis versus Blades, that's fine. But I don't want just all the fresh faces facing each other immediately to where they're taking each other out and then you're just left with the old guys again. Uh, let's see these guys get some opportunities against older guys and if they're able to pass these tests then maybe you can start making a name off of Tai Tuivasa at Volkov Blades, um, you know, Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou. So uh, that's what I would like to see next. As far as Verdum, I, 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 I'm not a, a huge fan of Verdum. I'm, I don't mind watching him fight. He's entertaining um, to a certain extent. And uh, maybe he's just not my cup of tea. But um, don't really care too much what happens with him next. You could do really any type of fight with him next, and, and that would work for me. Um, I don't think you do him versus Nganu. I think that that's a terrible matchup for Nganu. Um, if you're, you want him to lose that, that's the matchup that you would make, but you could do maybe if Tai Tuivasa defeats, uh, Andre Arlovsky, maybe you do Tai Tuivasa versus, uh, Fabrizio Verdum next and see if he can pass that test as well. So, all right, so on to the next fight. Let's go over Jan Blachowicz versus, uh, Jimmy Manowicz. Jan Blachowicz. Wins by unanimous decision in this fight. Very entertaining fight. Jan caught him with a uh, nice uppercut and uh, a nice combination of punches to really hurt Jimmy Manoa in that first round. He fell the same way that it looked like he fell against Volk, uh, against Volkan Ozdemir, but he was able to survive the round and 
they just put on a show in this fight. You saw that Jimmy was being the aggressor of the two as far as leading the dance. He was trying to come forward and really close the distance. Whenever he was able to, I thought he did a good job of landing his own power punches and uh, getting some nice shots in himself. I think he even hurt Jan in the second round um, by head kick. So there was a little bit of momentum there for Jimmy. But then in the that third round, uh, Jan was able to take over once again and end up winning the fight by unanimous decision. I think the key to this fight was just that Jan Blachowicz's hand speed was much better than um, Jimmy's was. And uh, maybe it's not his hand speed per se. I, I would say Jimmy actually has really good hand speed himself. But his his counter striking was just on point. He had his timing down. It really seemed that that first fight probably benefited Jan very much so. He has he had a pretty good understanding of the timing and the range that Jimmy Emanuel liked to work within. And uh, Jan was, was always trying to make sure that that... Um, that they didn't fall into Jimmy's type of fight. Jan was able to get off, you know, three or four punches to every one or two that Jimmy did. Um, and because of that, he was able to land a lot more. And he, and the fact that he hurt Jimmy early, that really played into the psyche of Jimmy, in my opinion, because Jimmy started to figure out that, okay, I'm only throwing one or two, and then he's throwing three or four, and he's landing. So I've got to be very careful about choosing when I actually throw <laughs> On the other hand, one of the issues that Jimmy was running into is that when he was getting to that distance that he liked, real inside and real close, Jan did a great job of getting into the clinch each and every time. So when that was happening, um, he was just disrupting the momentum or the rhythm of Jimmy. And then they would uh, separate, and then the whole thing was just a, a repeat um, type of sequence. But Jan just did a great job of out outlanding Jimmy in this fight. Uh, good fight for him overall. I, I definitely enjoyed it. It was a it was a fun fight to watch. Like I'd said, it wasn't really a fight that m many people were looking forward to. It wasn't really a fight where people were going, oh, we got to see that rematch from the first one. It was definitely the fight of the night. It was very entertaining, very dramatic in certain spots, of course. And, and because of that, it made it very interesting and intriguing to watch. Uh, you started to wonder what's going to happen with Ilir Latifi, Jimmy Manuel, Alexander Gustafson, always all being on these win streaks, being so close to the title. Well, now you don't really have to worry about that. Uh, that makes it a little bit more clear at this point in time. I think Latifi out of the three was the furthest away from getting the title shot. And now with Jimmy having lost, um, I think it's pretty clear that Alexander's in the driver's seat to get that title shot should... <laughs> That title would be defended anytime soon, of course. Um, for Jan Blachowicz, very impressive. Very impressed to see that he can make the necessary adjustments that he did make in that fight to um, to better himself from the first fight. So that was that was good to see. And you know, this is another guy who's been around for a little while now. People know of him. He's had some opportunities, and it hasn't really gone to. He really hasn't been able to fulfill them. So let's just take a look at his UFC career. He defeated Ilir Latifi by TKO. He lost by Jimmy, Jimmy Manoa by decision. Then he lost against Corey Anderson by decision. Defeated Igor Prokryuk by decision. Lost to Alexander Gustafson and Patrick Cummins by decision. And then he has three consecutive wins over Devin Clark, Jared Cannonier, and Jimmy Manoa. So doesn't have the best record, but this is a guy where I kind of always envisioned him fighting a little bit more like this than he has in some of his past fights. You know, he was a little bit of a tough test for Gustafson. So there's been flashes, there's been fights and moments where he looks to be a much better fighter than he actually proves and shows himself to be. But um, I thought that this was by far his best performance, very professional performance, executed a game plan very well, understood what exactly his strengths and, and weaknesses were as opposed to his opponents, and was really able to um, game plan around that and take advantage of that. So uh, pretty excited to see a performance put in like that. He is 35 years old, so he is pretty elderly in that light heavyweight division as well. But a little bit of a fresher face in the sense of we haven't really seen him up there in the top right now. 
So it'd be interesting to see him fight some of these top-tier guys. Maybe you could do him versus a Glover Teixeira. Teixeira currently, I believe, is still looking for an opponent right now. I wouldn't mind seeing something of that magnitude, uh, especially after Teixeira came off a very impressive win over Misha Surkinov. With Blahovic, he doesn't have the best resume in the wins that he does have and the losses that he does have in this division. But considering he just beat the number four contender, uh, in this division, maybe you give him the number three guy in Glover Teixeira. You know, at the very least, you're going to get an entertaining fight between these two guys. So I'd like to see that. And if Jan's able to win against Glover Teixeira, at least that provides you a fresh face at the top of that division. And then you can really give him the business and seeing if he can defeat a guy like uh, Volkan Ozdemir or an Alexander Gustafsson. As far as uh, Jimmy Manua. You know, tough tough night for Jimmy. Uh, I think that he just got outstruck. Uh, he got a little bit out-game-planned here as well. Uh, Jimmy Manoa, tough fighter to to um, put away, a tough guy to, to win against, especially in a striking competition. But, um, you know, he's lost against some of the very elite in this division, Alexander Gustafson, Anthony Johnson, Volkan Uzmir, and then he lost a unanimous decision against Jan Blahovic. I think one of the issues for Jimmy is he doesn't have the ability to take the same punishment as some of these other guys do. He can't... <laughs> He can't just walk through punches and land his own power and just wait for that knockout punch to go right now. Um, you kind of saw this with Alistair Overeem in that weird part of his career where he still had a lot of power, but he was getting caught a lot, and he wasn't able to walk through the punches anymore. And now he's adapted his style to be much more patient, much more defensive, but he is able to strike and attack when he really needs to in order to get the finishes. And, you know, he almost turned that into a championship performance against a steep Miocic. So that has turned out very well for him. The question with Jimmy is, is how is he going to take that knowledge and turn it in, into that type of performance as well? He's going to have to change up his style a little bit because I just believe that the fact that he got knocked out by an Anthony Johnson and Alexander Gustafson and Volkan Ozdemir, um, and now got rocked a few times by Jan. He's not able to take that punishment the same way that he once was in his younger career. He has suffered a few knockouts, and he is 38 years old. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. <laughs> Maybe what you do next with him. I could see them doing like a, a Jimmy Manuel versus Misha Serkinov. Two guys that are coming off of losses. I, I definitely would like to see that competition. I think it's an intriguing competition for sure. Um... Another way you could go is maybe do a Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Jimmy Manhua in what would be a pretty entertaining fight as well. So wouldn't mind seeing either of those fights come to fruition. But good performance here by Jan. Definitely the fight of the night. It was a very entertaining fight to watch for one that did not have a lot of uh, momentum behind it. So good job by the matchmakers making this fight happen. <laughs> Next fight is Tom Dukenwall versus Tarion Ware. Interesting fight here. Tom Dukenwa definitely came out early. Looked like he was a better striker of the two. More technical, more well-rounded. Just looked like he had more tools in his in the, in his bag, and uh, that was pretty apparent. But I thought Tarion Ware won the first and third rounds. I um I thought that he did enough to win this fight. But it was a very close fight at the end of the day. Dukenwa was very effective with his leg kicks in this fight. Definitely was hurting Ware's um, ability. Uh, or his uh, his legs, but it wasn't really stunting his ability or movement all too much. And I thought that Tarion Ware was definitely landing the majority of the strikes. I thought that Dukenwa had a little bit more pop to everything that he was doing, but Ware was definitely, in my opinion, outstriking him and outclassing him just a little bit in terms of just landing more punches, landing more strikes. But they gave the nod to Dukenwa. It's hard to be really upset about this, but I guess the way that I feel is that it's just a tough, tough loss for Tarion Ware, who has now lost uh, all three fights in his UFC career. He lost to Cody Stamen by unanimous decision, Sean O'Malley by unanimous decision, and Tom Dukenwa by unanimous decision. There's, I don't think that this is a guy who is a bad fighter. And when you have a record like that to start off your UFC career, you're getting cut. I don't know if they should cut a guy like this. I think they should give him a lesser-known guy, someone who's maybe making their UFC debut, who um, 
you know, he's got a real opportunity against. I really liked his fighting style. I liked the grit that he showed. I liked that he did not really gas in this fight the same way that Duke and Wa did, and he really took over late in that third round, in my opinion, or at least that's what I thought. Um, tough, tough loss for him here. As far as Duke and Wa goes, I think that he really does have to thank the judges a little bit here. I don't, like I said, I don't consider this to be a robbery, but I thought that most people watching this fight would pick Terry and where to win this, and, um, you know, that just wasn't the case. But uh, Duke and Wa ends up getting a much-needed win here himself, considering that he's a really hyped um, contender coming up, up and up-and-coming contender, and if he had lost, he would have had two straight losses in the UFC and would be one and two in the UFC. Still 24 years old from France, uh, still got a lot of improvement to go. I think the key here for Dukin was he just needs to let loose a little bit, have a little bit more fun. He seems a little bit too technical, a little bit like um, Luke Thomas was kind of alluding to it. He, he was a little bit, you know, he had some crazier stuff that he was able to let out of the bag here and there and he's not really playing around with that he's just kind of sticking to you know the tech to the technical strikes he needs to you know really take uh, some chances here here and there and land some devastating strikes that will look a lot more pleasing to the eye to the judges and also just be a little bit more effective in his striking game um, so I kind of agree with that. Um, I don't really know what he's capable of. It feels like he is holding back a little bit and that he could do a little bit more. And I'm not talking about in terms of his activity. I just feel like he's got more tools to work with than he's actually showing. And um, I'd, I'd be very intrigued to see when he's able to put it all together. But this is a guy that's 24 years old. He's got, he's probably has a lot of knowledge, a lot of tools in his bag, but he's just trying to figure out how he likes to fight fighting him fight out and how he likes to do things and how he likes the game plan until he figures that out uh you know he may have a few growing pains in that respect but until then i mean still a pretty impressive win for him he was very competitive in this fight even though i thought he lost i thought he did a good job anyways um definitely still someone to watch but i hope that both of these guys get an, a, a chance especially where because i was very impressed by him as well so uh two guys that i think if they're able to stay around in the ufc bantamweight division it's gonna be very interesting to see where they go very tough outs for anyone that they fight Next fight, Leon Edwards versus Peter Sabata. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, performance and ending to the fight for Leon Edwards. Really got, you know, he got Sabata hurt very badly in that first round and then, um, you know, kind of just coasted the rest of the round. Not in the sense that he was just coasting, um, but in the sense where he was just able to win that round pretty easily. Second round, there wasn't a whole lot of action. Leon Edwards kind of got into that... Uh, that bad um that bad aspect of MMA striking where I hurt a guy so I'm looking for that one punch knockout I'm trying to get him hurt again wasn't really working but then finally at late in the third round he was able to get Sabata hurt very badly once again and he was landing some some uh nice ground and pound and uh the ref ended up calling it off with just one second left on the clock. So very nice win by Leon Edwards. But maybe the more more of the headline in this fight was the fact that Leon Edwards called out Darren Till after this fight. It's been said that Darren has had a lot of issues getting a fight booked for him. He does have that fight booked for himself, at least for May 27th, I believe, which is going to be... Uh, that fight night in Liverpool in which he was really hyping up, but they still don't even have an opponent for him. And so Leon Edwards was saying that he's the best UK welterweight in the world. And, um, you know, he wants to prove that against Darren Till. He just, uh, he had a good uh, call out of him. I thought it really got the fans fired up. I It fired me up. I thought, you know, let, let's see Leon Edwards fight him. I mean, he's ranked number 15, just had a nice TKO win. He's on a nice winning streak of late. I, I think that that's a suitable guy to, to fight. Um, you don't have to put him against a Stephen Thompson or a Gunnar Nelson if you don't need to. Uh, Conor McGregor, when he fought in Ireland, was the star. You don't have to make a star make. You don't have to make a star versus star fight in that fight 
it's going to be the same type of atmosphere. The fans are going to be there for Darren Till. You know, sure, some of the guys will go for Leon Edwards if they do England versus England, of course. But Leon Edwards has beat, beaten Peter Sabata, Brian Barbarina, Vicente Luque, Albert Tumanov, and Dominic Rotwaters. All five of those wins right there are very solid wins, good guys, uh, good fighters right there. And that was since his loss to uh, Kamaru Usman by unanimous decision. But Kamaru Usman has proven to be one of the best fighters in this welterweight division. I think Leon Edwards definitely has earned his place in the division. And let's go for it. Leon Edwards asked for it. I'm down for it. Let's watch Darren Till versus Leon Edwards. I think Edwards said in a comment that everyone thinks... Darren Till is like the second coming of God, but he's not, and he's, he he wants to prove otherwise. And you know what? I kind of feel a similar type of way. I've been hearing all this hype on Darren Till, and I get it. Darren Till, very talented, good striker, a big guy for his weight class, uh, a lot of talent there, very impressive win over Donald Cerrone. But Donald is, in my opinion, a true lightweight. Part of the reasons why we thought his welterweight run was so impressive was because he's a true lightweight. That was what made it very impressive. I haven't seen Darren Till defeat a true welterweight in the top 10. And I'm not saying he's a bad fighter. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a ton of talent or he is a potential title um, uh, champion one day. I think he is a potential champion one day, but... I think we're a little bit too high on him. I am very excited about his personality, about his fighting style, but let's see him get a few more wins against high-level guys, and let's see. Leon Edwards wants to test it. Let's see. Let's find out. Um, let, let's see what he can do against Darren Till. If Darren Till starches this dude, Leon Edwards, then give him the next guy. Uh, you know, give him a top guy like a Stephen Thompson if you'd like to. Um, that should be more than enough time for Stephen to recover from any injuries he has. And maybe you force your hand at that point. You get another win. You get a lot of momentum behind you and start to put the pressure on these top contenders like Stephen Thompson or Rafael Dos Santos or even a Tyron Woodley and say, hey, guys, I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm the most hyped guy in the division. I'll make y'all more money than anyone else will. Um, but for now, I'd be just fine with doing Leon Edwards versus Darren Till. If Edwards is able to win, he derails the hype, and he picks up a lot of that uh, hype himself. If uh, if Till wins, then he just continues that, reinvigorates it, and he'll come out looking like a superstar the same way that a Stipe Miocic did in Cleveland, the same way that a Chris Weidman did back in his hometown, in his home area as well, and just a lot of these guys that get showcased in their hometowns in the main events, especially like, you know, Conor McGregor as well. Charles Bird versus John Phillips. Very impressive win by Charles Bird. Another guy coming off of this Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. <laughs> he had two wins on that Contender Series. And then he just absolutely dominates John Phillips from uh, SBG Ireland. He had a lot of hype coming with him with uh, the type of power that he carries. He had the cool story with him having lived in the backyard of John Kavanaugh in his trailer. And then also his visa issue, his issues of... Being able to fight in the U.S. and fight for the UFC have been well documented, as well as his back background in the story. You can listen to uh, his interview on Ariel Hawani. So he had a lot of hype coming into this fight, but Charles Bird from the United States, from Dallas, really absolutely took the fight out of John Phillips, got into the ground immediately. I don't even think Phillips landed one punch on Charles Bird, and then he was just super dominant, got to his back, got that rear naked choke set in, it looked more like a neck crank, and he had it on the chin, but he then just started to squeeze a little bit more and more under, and um, I don't know what type of squeeze these guys have or what type of technique that these guys have when it's not clearly under the chin, but they find a way to make it a rear naked choke that's effective enough to, for them to get that tap, so he did a phenomenal job in doing that. I thought he looked fantastic in this fight. The Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series is proving to be a real legitimate uh, way to find new talent in the UFC. Uh, Charles Bird is, let's see how old he is. 
34 years old, so he's not the youngest chicken in the farm by any means, but a fresh new face. Again, that's just something to look out for. I'm sure that he's going to be wanting to fight very, very soon, but he got two wins in the Dana White Tuesday night contender series, looked good there, and then had a very dominant win over a hype prospect in John Phillips. And, uh, you know, I guess one thing I would say as a little bit of criticism I don't know if he has fought at welterweight before or what he looks like at welterweight, but I would be a little bit wary of him continuing to fight at middleweight. He's going to be a lot smaller than a lot of these guys at middleweight, but for that fact, he did look strong. He uh, had, he is pretty quick as well, so maybe that will prove to be an advantage of his, but definitely interested to see what he can do next. Definitely interested to see what his striking like as well. Uh, going forward, uh, very impressed by Charles Bird. As far as John Phillips, hopefully he gets another fight soon uh, of, you know, a f- more of a stylistic matchup that won't be such a disadvantage as it was in this fight. Danny Roberts versus Oller at Camp, winning by KO here. Uh, just good win by by Danny Roberts, really folded Oliver in camp up into like a little chair right there, just landed a devastating punch, really was exciting, had a good promo afterwards, Uh, just a fun fight to watch overall, Uh, definitely look forward to watching Danny Danny Roberts once again, as far as in camp, tough loss for him here. As far as Danny Henry versus Hakeem Dawadu, um... The Wadu was coming in with a lot of um, excitement behind him from Canada. This was a guy that seemed to have a little bit of hype behind him, and let's pay attention to see what he can do in this fight. Danny Han- Henry just came out looking like he was on fire. He just immediately dropped Dawadu uh, and then immediately grabbed the guillotine and just would not let go of the neck and eventually got the submission at or he actually put him to sleep. So very impressive by Danny Henry. Very, very quick. I believe 39 seconds into the first round. So just came out with his hair on fire and did a fantastic job of derailing the hype very, very quickly. So good win for Danny Henry here. Paul Craig versus Magomed Ankalaev. Ankalaev, I believe. Man, he. I think he may have been the biggest favorite in on this card. I'm not too sure. But... Ankalaev definitely showed that he had a lot of good striking ability, that he was able to really control his opponent on the ground very well. Um, in addition to that, so he had some good qualities about him, a lot of good um, things to say about Ankalaev. I think this is a guy in the light heavyweight division that actually does have potential, just 25 from Russia. So I really like the potential of Ankalaev. But he absolutely got caught here with one second left. Two fights ending at 4.59 of the last round. That is insane on one card. That's insane to see one twice in one year. And no less, nonetheless, uh, you get it twice in one card. Paul Craig pulls out a uh, triangle submission with about... Uh, 10, 7 seconds left, and it only took 5 seconds for him to, like, 5, 6, 7 seconds for him to get to tap Paul Craig with a nasty triangle submission right here, um, really clamped it on very tight, didn't really even have to make an adjustment, pulled on the head and in the arm, and then quickly got the submission, and Kalayev was in was in true shock and so was the rest of the the arena and the commentators even myself I just could not believe that he pulled it off especially in a fight where he was getting beat all three rounds I thought that Paul Craig did a good job in this fight I thought he actually fought a lot to his potential I thought that he wasn't getting super outclassed on the feet he wasn't getting super outclassed on the ground either he was having difficulty he was getting beat someone said this could have been a 30-26 fight I don't really see it being that dramatic I mean he was definitely losing 30-27 but someone else pointed it out I think it was Luke Thomas and I I, want to point it out as well I just appreciate the dog mentality that Paul Craig had, the never give up mentality. He had his back against the wall, came in, had a great first win in his UFC debut, but then lost his two next fights to Tyson Pedro and then awesome to Khalil Roundtree, both by TKO and KO. So he was really against the fence here. He came out looking like he uh, was ready for business and 
while he wasn't dominant in the first two or even three rounds, uh, basically he wasn't dominant in 14 minutes and, and 59 seconds of the fight or 58 seconds in the fight. All it took was him to be dominant for just that one second. He won the fight, did a great job of getting that win, and uh, in the last fight of his con, the last fight on his contract on his deal. So good for him. Great win by Craig. Uh, he's a likable guy. I think he's got a, he's got potential, the tools with him. I don't think he'll ever be a title contender. Of course, I think he still got outclassed by his opponent, by a guy who is more talented, who has a higher ceiling, but just good to see the fight uh, continue for him. He didn't give up, and he was looking for the finish at all times, and that should prove to all mixed martial artists, you know, no matter how dominated you are getting in a fight, if you're in the fight, if the ref hasn't stopped it, if your corner hasn't stopped it, always look for that opening. You never know when you're going to get it. Uh, MMA is about opportunities inside the fight game and outside, you know, with media as well. And when you have, you have to take advantage of those opportunities because they don't come often. But once you do, you get rewarded just like Paul Craig did yesterday. For Ankalayev, I'm not super low on him. He really got caught here. Um, I think he'll learn from this fight. I think that this was type of loss that kind of Rory McDonald got caught with in that Carlos Condit loss where... He was fighting, you know, that's a little bit of a different circumstance. Carlos Condit, whole different level type fighter than Paul Craig is, but similar um, in results for the opponents for two guys that were real hot prospects at the time and then just got caught late in the fight and uh, a real learning experience for them. So I think that he'll take this and learn from it. Still 25 years old, got a lot of progress that he still needs to make but I really like the tools from him. I thought that you still saw a guy in, that could be a potential player in this light heavyweight division going forward. So still very interested to see what Inkalayev does next. As far as Paul Craig, let's put him in another good fight. Maybe you put him in against another guy of this magnitude. Um, don't think that he's ever going to be a true contender, or true top 10 fighter in that light heavyweight division. But with the type of mentality that he has, the determination, you never know. Some some of these guys, their mentalities can carry them a lot, far, a lot farther than what their talent says they can go. Cajun Johnson versus Stevie Ray. Cajun Johnson winning by split decision. I thought this was a little bit controversial as well. I had this going for Stevie Ray, but this fight I actually have less of a problem with uh, Stevie Ray losing than I did with uh, Tarion Ware losing. I thought that the first two rounds are very, very close. Could have gone either way. Cajun Johnson was giving Stevie Ray some issues with his ability to move around and not really um, get touched up too much. Stevie Ray really put it on him in that third round. I mean, wasn't absolutely destroying him, but really got into his range, was becoming a lot more aggressive, closing the distance a lot better, cutting the cage off again as well. And um, I thought that that was enough for him to get that split decision victory. But he did not. Unfortunately, Caden Johnson did. Good for him. This guy who's gone out of his way to try to improve the um, the rights of fighters uh, with the UFC. So it's good to see a guy like that do get the win. But feel bad for Stevie Ray, who was coming off a pretty devastating loss to Paul Felder, in which he got absolutely blasted with elbows on the ground to get finished and then lose a tough, tough decision against Cajun Johnson. But I thought in that third round, he just felt a little bit more comfortable. It looked like he was a little bit too too hesitant in that first round, even a little bit in the second. But in that third round, he really started to feel his rhythm and feel his way into the fight. Maybe that will pr prove to be uh, better off for him in his next fight. Maybe he will be able to start out with that a little bit uh, sooner rather than having to wait till that third round. But for Cajun Johnson, giving it to the fans a little bit, some people were like, oh, you know, he was a little bit disrespectful to the fans. No, no he wasn't. I mean, the fans were booing, and they uh, were booing the decision. I t totally understand that. But, you know, here's what I'd like to see from the fans going forward. If you really don't like the decision, you you, you can boo. I mean, boo the decision. But while the guys is, guy is talking, be respectful to the fighters. I mean, these guys, they just put the, you know, uh, a lot on the line, a lot of their health on the line. They lose a little bit of their health, a little bit of their brain at each and every time they go out there and get hit in the face, of course. And uh, with in doing so, we've got to respect that and understand that, you know, the decision wasn't 
wasn't their decision, and it doesn't mean that uh, we should feel that the decision was right. Make your make your uh, voice be heard when that decision is announced and you disagree with it. But when they start talking, I mean, respect the fighter. I totally agree with that. I mean, um, this guy just uh, put on 15 minutes of entertainment for yourself, whether or not you liked it or not. It's kind of irrelevant at that point. You're not the one in in that uh, in that octagon. These guys go through a lot. You know, these guys don't have a lot of rights with them, and maybe part of that is their fault. Maybe the fact that they haven't unionized that's their fault. But here's a guy who is trying to make that effort, who is trying to be a part of that uh, project spearhead um, to improve fighter. Uh, rights of course and um, he's really trying to to improve that and he was very humble in his victory he said you know it could have gone either way uh, it could have been a draw it could have been his win I wouldn't have been too displeased with that you, you got to respect the guy for that um, you, you can't continue to boo him he he was just simply saying like hey man like that's not right to boo us um, I feel the same way Al I Quinta said the same thing when he won his fight and uh, fans that weren't too pleased with the decision um, you know he said a little bit more aggressively but you know at the end of the day let it be known that you don't like the decision I understand that but when these guys are talking I mean these guys they, they put it all out on the line for themselves, and, and they're risking a lot every single time they go in there. So, yeah, I do believe that they do deserve that respect. Uh, I don't think it's outrageous that you boo, um, you know, in that time. But, you know, it's their time to shine a little bit. They get a little bit of the glory that worked really hard for that moment and for them to just be booed because, you know, someone else made a bad decision. Uh, let's let's not really ridicule them and take that, that spot away from them, guys. Um Last fight, first fight of the night was Dmitry Sosnovsky defeating Mark Godbeer by rear naked choke. Godbeer definitely landing the better of the strikes, but Sosnovsky, every time he was able to get Godbeer to the ground, it was just very apparent that he was more dominant there. Very easily took the back of Godbeer and then uh, got that rear naked choke set in. Um, not very impressed with either of these guys. Don't really know how far either of these guys can go, but you never know. Um, you know, still young in their UFC careers, especially Sosnowski. Um, This was his first debut fight. Still just 28 years old, a heavyweight. Looks a little bit small for the division. Um, maybe he's not. I mean, it says he's 6'3", 240, so that's a pretty big guy. Um, but I don't know. Um, I didn't see a whole lot that, that warranted me to believe that he would be in the lead of the division. But, hey, I didn't see the same thing for a guy like Derek Lewis or Curtis Blades when he was first coming up. Sometimes these guys in the heavyweight divisions look very, very raw, especially these guys with uh, mainly grappling uh, accolades to them. It was very apparent that, uh, that, that in my opinion, Sosnowski was much better verse in his uh, submission, but he's got a lot of TKOs on his record as well. He's got a TKO in his last three fights before this submission, then a submission, two decisions, then a submission, and three TKOs. So at least, if nothing else, he's an undefeated fighter. He only has two two decisions and 11 wins and 11 professional fights. So it should be a pretty f uh, entertaining fighter going forward. We'll see what he gets next. I mean, don't give him a whole lot. He's not ready for that just yet. Uh, still just 28 years old, and maybe he can turn into another one of those youngsters that's a little bit up and coming here in that heavyweight division as well. So overall, good night of fights. I mean, I um, thought that it was very solid. Um... Other than that, don't have too much bad to talk about this. Very excited about the Alexander Volkov win. Again, because of the fact that it just brings a lot of new, fresh blood, fresher faces to this division. It started to feel like we would never get to that point here in this division, and we finally are. Hopefully, in that light heavyweight division, we can start to see some of that type of turnover as well. Um, and then the other big thing is... Uh, you know, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series continues to stay strong. So um, this was a show that I thought maybe along with the fight, Dana White looking for a fight, it proved early on that these fighters weren't really having a lot of success in the UFC. And maybe that wasn't the best um, avenue to get, get talent. But I like the, the way that they did the Tuesday Night Contender Series. They do the fights on the night of. You get real contenders. They're real professional fights. And... They're getting paid real money, um, you know, amateur, you know, regional type money, but that's better than some of the shows that they would be getting paid. It's for about eight weeks, and then um, you see what these fighters get to do the rest of the year, and uh, you get some stars out of it. So really like that as well. So I thought a big win for Alexander 
Volkov, the heavyweight division, Jan Blahovic, and Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. So let me know what y'all thought about the fights last night and yesterday. Uh, what you think the ceiling is for Alexander Volkov, who you would like to see him fight next, and uh, who really excited you as well from the rest of the card, if anyone really stood out, and what do you think about Darren Tilt versus Leon Edwards, or would you like to see something different out of Darren Tilt in his main event fight in Liverpool? Just let me know, at Zapata MMA on Twitter. Again, that's at Zapata MMA on Twitter, and you can hit me up with any questions, comments, or concerns. Until then, guys, have a good night. See you later, guys. Bye.